Welcome to a slice of orange, North Orange County politics. I'm Jody Baum, and today I'm talking to Julie Vu, Director of Youth and Education Programs at Orange County Human Relations. You're going to learn why showing up matters, a little about the Hmong community from a fellow Central Valley Californian, why networking and finding your community helps you find a job, and the important skill of listening and giving space for hard conversations. Julie Vu leads a passionate team who are dedicated to working alongside parents, students, teachers, and administrators in Orange County schools with the goal to improve school climate and create safe, inclusive, equitable, and restorative schools. They graduated from UC Irvine with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and minors in Gender, Sexuality Studies, and Civic and Community Engagement, and earned a Master's of Education with emphasis on social and cultural analysis from Cal State Long Beach. So let's get started. So I'm here with Julie Vu, the Director of Youth and Education Program for OC Human Relations. A little bit of background. Um, OC Human Relations was started as a pilot program in the 1970s and now has transformed um, into a nonprofit, private nonprofit organization with the same goals that they started with to you know, increase understanding among residents, eliminate prejudice, intolerance, and discrimination. And they continue to do that. And we're going to learn a little bit more about how they do that and who is doing that. So welcome, Julie. Thank you for having me, Judy. So let's start at the beginning. How did you come to OC Human Relations and what do you do? Yeah, so I... um I like to always think that my entry point into OC Human Relations was by luck. Um, I apply. That's the story of so many people. I love it. Yeah. My students always think I have to know exactly what I want to do freshman year of high school. And I'm like, nobody I talked to knew. Yeah, exactly. Right. I love these stories. I love. So tell us. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I kind of applied on a whim to a job here and I was like, this seems really what something I could see myself doing. Um, so much of it was rooted in kind of this like grassroots organizer activism. And I did a lot of that in undergrad and I loved it. I was, where'd really, you go? What'd you study? I went to UCI and I studied political science, which I know that you are. Zot, zot, zot. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was love there. my ant eaters. Perfect. Um, and so I was there and I was just like, you know, really involved and really engaged, but at some point was like, well, how do I make this translatable to my workforce? Um, and I was like, okay, nonprofit is the direct way to go. Um, so I ended up at a, um, a large API focused, maybe not focused is the word, but like they have API in their name. Um, sure. And, sure. Uh, and from there, I was like doing a lot of great work with young people around um, workforce investment. So like, how do we get young people job ready, career ready? Um, and so then after a while, I was like, you know, I love this, but it's not exactly what I want to do. And this posting came up and I was like, I'm just going to apply. I, you know, I have no idea. It's another nonprofit. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly enough, I got in by the sheer luck that um, one of my... Um, reference recommenders new people here and so I was just like the power of network and so it is and and I and I want to I want to pinpoint this I want to highlight this because I think that my students often and I did too when I was a kid you know you'd hear these cliches of it's not what you know it's who you know mm -hmm. and I would think I've got to be a Rockefeller or a Kennedy and 
I don't. And I'm in the small town of Turlock, California. Yay, Turlock. But I, like, I'm just not going to be connected. I'm not going to a private school. I'm not going to an Ivy League. And yet the truth of that statement is what you say, which is connections and networks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so and- how do you let your network know what you want? Because that's really a key of yeah. how can they help you and how can you communicate that? And sometimes people are shy and some people don't want to use their connections. So speak a little bit about that, of how you have navigated utilizing your network, using your connections to help you find opportunities. Yeah. So first off, you said Turlock. And is that just to confirm that you're from the Central? I was born and raised Amazing. in Turlock. I was born and raised in Fresno. So <gasps> you're from the big city. <laughs> and so all yeah. together, I mean, like, that's the thing, right? Is that like, I, you know, like I grew up in this small town, well, the bigger city of the bigger city, city for me. Yeah. And, um, so much of it was like, you know, like I got to get out. I want to get out. I, you know, sure. it felt very like there's no opportunities here. Um, and I was a young person, right? Like my ideas of opportunities is what I saw on TV. Right? Sure. Like, sure. In LA, the big city, the big life, right. et cetera. Right. Um, and when I left, I, I didn't think, you know, I think my network there was all the, the educators I had in high school. Um, and then when I moved out to Southern California, Orange County, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Yeah. But and I it seems to- really hard to penetrate. Yeah. And you get to a new place. It's absolutely. And, um, once I came here, I, I started yearning a lot for a community that I had back home, oddly enough. Right. Uh, and so from there, I was like, I need to just find community and space here. And mm-hmm. so much of it required me to literally like go to events. And I remember undergrad being such a formative place where literally every club is like, join us. Literally every fraternity sorority is like, join us. Right. Uh, and so, like, to some extent, you can see, like, you know, visibly people asking you to join. Yes. Uh, which is an amazing aspect to it. And I would definitely say that when I was younger, I was all about like, I'm just going to try everything. As I love example, it. I'm very like, maybe let's, let's fill it out. But I would say that sure. for young people, that's the number one thing. Get your yeah. foot wet, just try it on. Yeah. Uh, and so from there, I, I, met- I always say college is a buffet. Take tech taste. Exactly. It is actually, yeah, that's, that's- You're not ordering a whole entree. Yes. Um, and so from there, uh, one thing to just really like centralize who I am too is uh, my Hmong American um, identity. And wh- I was missing a lot of that when I moved here. And so right. I was like, I'm just going to find a bunch of Hmong people, look up the directory, sure. um, just sure. send an email. And so I was doing all of that. And within my first two years has have started these organizations, student organizations, um, centered around that identity, but mm-hmm. all rooted in knowing about like, what is our connection piece to higher ed? Um, why is it that so many of us leave our hometowns and come out here? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 oh, I could do a whole nother episode on the Hmong of the Central Valley and, mm-hmm. and Merced and Fresno and, and yes. the, the really intentional immigration patterns of family and community. Yeah. And, and, oh, we could have so much fun. So those of you who don't um, know a lot, uh, there's some incredible books and websites about the, the Hmong community in the Central Valley that are fascinating. Yes. So look those up. I'm giving you homework. 
Yeah. Um, so from so, there. So we're back at UCI. We're using our connections. We're looking for a job after the first job. Yeah. So from there, I would say that like all of it is also rooted in the fact that I met these amazing adult mentors at UCI who then was like, Hey, have you considered this thing in the community? Have you considered this thing or this element? Yeah. Um, and so through them, right. I had a, just a great opportunity of like learning orange County. Right. I'm a trans. Yes. No idea. Right. County. right. Um, also you've been to UCI. So you know that it could very feel like a little small town that you don't get out of. Sure. Um, so I, it required me to leave. And that's when I started seeing garden Grove and Westminster and little Saigon. And then I started venturing to Santana and Anaheim and, yeah. um, oddly enough, right. Santana and Anaheim really reminds me of Fresno, right? Like these are sure. cities that essentially have similar landscapes, probably similar socioeconomic statuses. Um, and it just kind of reminded me and really grounded me in the fact that like, I have a home here too. And so yes, yes. it's been 12 years now, right? So it's been 12 years since that experience. Um, and the coming full circle, um, getting my first, like, you know, we call it to call adult jobs. Um, and from there, right. It also required me to get to know the folks there too. Um, and so I would say that, you know, one of the biggest draws to my first job was that we had a, um, um, an executive director who was really well known in the community, but you could talk to her and she was so down to earth. And so I I was like, yeah. That's the kind of like leadership that helped me understand the landscape as well as like why network, why networking matters, why your connections matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there are just dynamic people out there who are connectors. And if you gravitate towards them, they pull you into, to, to their, to their network and and it's just seamless, but it can sometimes be intimidating. Yeah. So I love, I love that. Lesson. So you get to OC Human Relations. Do you start with the job you have currently? Did you start in a different job? So I started as a, a entry level staff, and the the role was within um, our schools and education programs, which is like really the focal point of our conversation. Um, and I was working with school sites where our whole entire goal was to work with schools to build safe, inclusive, and equitable schools. And um, what that really means is that we are connecting with school administrators, staff, and students to hear from them exactly what is the culture and climate of your school. Mm-hmm. And if there seems to be a rift or there's clearly a cultural climate issue, how can we work together to address those issues? Mm-hmm. Um, since then, I would say that the program has really come, um, so from its initiation uh, in you know early 19. 19- 80s late you know sure it's really now around how can we use young people's voices and their power and their energies um to be the guides and the leads um and the change makers of climate change uh because quite often i feel like in the last few years we've seen a huge wave of young people activated and i think that's amazing right i love the fact that young people today are willing to like they're amazing just voice their concerns, voice what, what matters to them. Um, and so that's what we do in schools today, right? So that's a huge element of our, we call it our Bridges program. Um, and then in the last, I'd say like five years, um, right when I came on board to OCHR, um, the agency was launching their restorative justice initiatives and efforts, um, which is also a really like- And talk a little bit about that because I know for so many people, that is a new concept. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is, what is that in the schools? For us, it's all about relationships, right? It's all about how do we utilize restorative justice as a mechanism, a theory, a practice, whatever you want to call it, um, to really kind of like foster the relationships on a campus that then filters into creating a safe and inclusive and equitable school. Um, And so just to kind of like go to the history really quickly. Sure. Uh, restorative justice is oftentimes known to be within a criminal legal system. Um, yeah. It's really rooted in that area, though a lot of people would argue that its native indigenous roots are goes back to community and goes back to families and how families and tribes and nations yeah. operated in that way. Right. And right. so all together, right, we take part in the sense that that's where we're rooted, right? We are seeing right. justice as a way of being together, right? It's not a way of addressing punishment. It's not a way of going through, right. a, uh, you know, a, a legal process. Um, right. and so all together, our goals in schools and using restorative justice is that we have, it's a two-pronged approach. One yeah. of it, right, we address a lot of the issues and conflicts that arise using a restorative process. Um, and then second is that we want y- young people, adults to know what it is and to practice using it. Right. So a lot of coaching, right. mentoring of just like, I'm going to model it for you. And maybe next time we can yeah. try it. So. Absolutely. And, and there are a couple of things I just want to highlight because I love what you said. And I want to make sure we don't go too fast. Um, one is that it's a nonprofit. Yeah. I, you know, we have this... It, industrial educational complex that is just making profits off of our schools Mm -hmm. that are overworked and overburdened and need help. And so I want to really emphasize, this is a nonprofit partner that comes in and, and, and walks alongside the schools and has relationships and a partnership. They are not parachuting in to, to cash out. They are someone, you know, in our community, from our community that are really partnering with these teachers and administrators and students. And I love everything about that. Yeah. And I think you make a great point, Jody, to um, a lot of what we're hearing today from like the capital and from maybe even the nation around this concept of community schools. And, and what does it mean to look at a, the school as a hub for the community? Right. And I think that's the part where OCHR has done this work, um, you know, through a contract basis and programs. But I'm all about the fact that our society should work in tandem together, right? Like we Correct. can't silos. We can't, you know, like Correct. I can't be like, hey, family, I, you know, like if you're experiencing housing insecurity, go to so and so, right? Like, right. My hope is to have people ready and to say hey, we care about our families, we care about our communities, and want to continue to provide a safe space for young people and their families, how do we bring services to them? Right. Uh, So that's been like my big element thing, and we're jumping into a lot of that work now, and so much of that work has implications around school school climate, school culture, and then as well as like the landscape we're seeing around like this, these tensions arising in schools too. Which we'll yeah. Get- and I want to, and I want to talk, oh, I have so many things I, I'm going to try to keep focused. Um, I, but clearly education has been a central battleground. 
and, and school board meetings, we're seeing this in the news and the national news, we're seeing it locally, we're seeing it at local school boards in Orange County, we're certainly, this is an election year, we are going to see campaign battles over these issues. And I have been ringing this bell for 20 years. You've got to pay attention to local politics. You've got to pay attention to who's governing. You have to pay attention to who we're electing. And this election is going to be a huge one. And so I, I just want to take a step back because sometimes I'm not exactly sure what the fight is even about. I know what the people are saying, but you have been doing this work. Our teachers have been doing this work. Our administrators have been doing this work. Our school boards have been doing this work to create safe, inclusive, equitable curriculum and schools. Mm -hmm. And that is being twisted and misrepresented. So number one, why is it so important that we're doing this work? And not to spend a ton of time on how we failed in the past, but just that when we learn better, we do better. Thank you, Maya Angelou. We have to do better when we know better. So we're trying to move forward and do these things. So first, why is it important? And yeah. second, why is it controversial? To answer quickly the second one, I don't think it's controversial. But altogether, I would say that like, why it's important is because I feel like schools have always been a battleground, right? If we, if we go back to history and we go back to, you know, Brown versus board or even um, Mendez versus Westminster locally to us here, right. That like schools as a a place and a space has always been um, a way in which we are trying to, um, influence larger communities, right? The larger um, at stake areas. Yes. And altogether, I would say that one of the elements to school is that we're talking about young people. We're talking about minors. And whenever children are put into the equation, that drastically kind of like elevates the concern because there is this whole thing about like, young people are our future and we need to teach them correctly. And it goes back to, well, what do you mean by correctly? Right. This, what is right. correct or this right that we're talking about? Um, and so I've always like have like valued school, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm currently watching um, Abbott Elementary. <gasps> Everybody needs to watch it. And I think I'm just thinking so much about like my own experience as a young person and sure. how school was for me. Sure. Um, and so I know that could be a whole other conversation. I, yes. Uh, and altogether, I come back and I think about um, you know, I, I've been following a lot on, um, so part of our work here is that we also do a lot of hate activity tracking. And right. my goal has always been to think about its connection pieces to that creating safe and inclusive school. And I have been on this like QAnon conversation element where I'm just keeping up with it. I don't want to like go sure. into my personal feelings. Um, but a clear things that, that this movement is doing is really subverting, um, what schools are doing and then saying that schools are indoctrinating this element, right. that element. Right. And, right. and it's, and also, right. QAnon is huge on this scope that, um, we need to save the children. Right. And so like, right. it's this cost right. of saving children. Yes. Um, and I think even then, if you look at that, that goes right back to 
Indian boarding schools, right? Like yes. concept of saving children. Correct. Um, and so I think that's the element that it, for me is mo- so important, right? Like the battleground is in schools. The battleground is in education and yeah. how do we show up for that? Yeah. And, and I, and I get the initial fear of parents that things are changing and that they may not have control over it. I, you know, I certainly had a few of those flashpoints when common core changed how math was taught and suddenly I couldn't do second grade math. And I was like, Oh, why did they change it? We could just do this the way I know it. Yeah. And then when you actually start to ask people like, why did this change? And the mathematicians say, because we weren't doing a good job of teaching math the old way. And it's why people had math anxiety. And it's why that people didn't do a great job with math. And these are different ways. And it certainly wasn't perfect. And, you know, I have a whole host of complaints with, with some of math education, but I do understand that idea of my, my children are learning something that I didn't learn. Mm-hmm. And does that mean what I learned is wrong? Mm-hmm. And I just wish we could cool the temperature of the whole debate. But of course, there are political motivations yeah. for putting that temperature as high as possible and getting anger. And we see that. We see that anger at the school board meeting. So how do how, how does the OC Human Relations, how do you and your colleagues help support the schools when they are under attack in this way? Yeah. So I would say that, you know, one of the most interesting element of of like working here and having um, this access and this role has always been that we are not coming from neutrality. So it's important to understand that, but also that it's, it is about giving space to multiple voices um, and that, when we're drowning out certain voices, right? Like we also have to recognize what we might be doing in that moment, right? Because sure, sure. At the end of the day, we might find ourselves exactly aligned with someone we're not aligned with because we're using their same actions or language. Sure, right. Um, so it's always been important to us that um, we are about bridge building. We are about really understanding what's happening, what's unfolding, and also about bringing people closer to, to bridging that gap. Right. Um, And I think that's the element where you had mentioned earlier around like this polarization, right. And that politics drives so much of it. Um, And I'm of the mind that if we can kind of like get ourselves to a time and space where we are able to have respectful conversations and hear each other out, we might find that we have more in common than we think. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So in that regard, right, OC Human Relations, um, one of our key, I want you, if you want to call it philosophies, is always that we're always growing, we're always learning. Um, and, and that's because people might think that, oh, you have this job and you have this expertise, so you're always going to get it right. And we always come in and say, hey, right, we're human. We make right. errors. Right. Yeah. Um, there's, that's the human part of human relations. Yeah. Uh, and so, so reminding, right. That, that, Hey, like we can also get it wrong. And when we do get it wrong, yeah. we want the community to come and say, Hey, you messed up. Right. You know, what can right. we do to make things yeah. right? So kind of going back to restorative justice, right. Sure. What are we doing to make things right. And how do we show up and be accountable to right. our actions, our language, um, and so all together, right, going to your question about how do we support schools when things like this happen? And 
Um, we, you know, by no means are we like a, a legal lens in terms of we're like, hey, take this route or do this. Sure, route. sure. Um, but really, we're all about like, how can we support you and helping your community come together to to right. Um, how can we um, really help get you to either looking at or looking or implementing programs that might be useful to your sites? And so um, one thing to know, right, is that when we're talking about this battleground of schools, we're really talking about there's a fight at the school board level. And then there is a fight maybe at the district level. And then there's a fight at the site level. Right. So um, on a school board level, right. We haven't been called in to do a lot of work there, um, though I will say that we talked to quite a bit of superintendents who are very much like, this is a concern. This is you right. know, what's happening here. Um, we um, kind of dabble in with with school board members, but we're very we're very particular in the sense that that's an electoral position. Right. So sure. like we don't sure. want to as a nonprofit, we don't dabble into electoral Right. 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 Um, but we, you know, we know of, of board members and we talk to board members sure. uh, on my own time. Right. Like as a resident sure. of Orange County, um, yeah. I've supported a school board member in their campaign, um, not related to OCHR. Sure. Uh, and I have seen like like what kind of berating and um, questioning these board members receive around their views or actions. Um, but all together, right? Like at the end of the day, we are working, um, the way that we work with board member is through their district leadership. So looking at working with the superintendent, um, and then having conversations with board members on that aspect that, you know, sure. Board members are responsible for a school. And so it's sure. sure. And one of the, the area, the biggest areas that we've supported schools in is the, the site specific instances yeah. on the campus, Yeah, yeah. on the campus. And so, um, I, you know, I think just thinking to one example, right, is that um, right now in in the Pleasant um, or Belinda, um, we've been getting some requests from that district and some schools, but we have had to be like, well, we can't make a move unless sure approved or you know our partnership to sure. is approved. Um, sure. so that's been a little bit difficult, and I think it's hard yeah. for me. Um, to see my friends who are organizing in that district and are always up against a wall, right? Sure. Um, sure. And then another, like, um, just speaking broadly to the last few years when we've had these major, um, like, events hit national news around right and yes. hate activity. Yes. Um, and our goal has always been that, like, hey, if you are the school who caused harm, right? what is it that we can do to support you and being able right. to navigate that? And then also if you were the school that was harmed by the action right. of another school, how right. can we support you in that way? Right. Uh, and a particular, a particular story that I, or issue that I wanted to get into today was um, the Elisa Nagel and Santa Ana football game. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this is happening at athletic events because it's when two schools come together and yeah. you have people in the audience who get to yell exactly. things. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. for that one, right, like it happened, right? We go into the weekend, suddenly there is like a million Instagram, Facebook, Twitter posts. Yeah. Um, and, and for those they, who don't cover, just highlight what happened. Yeah. And so, so essentially at this game, um, we learn that Santa Ana 
um, high school, uh, Santa Ana High School played Elisa Nagel at their site in Elisa Nagel, um, a football game, and that um, upon, um, I, I'm forgetting if it was entering or leaving or during the game, was that they received like a lot of anti immigrant, a lot of anti Latinx, um, like verbal assaults, essentially. Yes. Um, yes. And all together, um, was this, it was like a strange atmosphere and like space to navigate because it's like the, the harm has already occurred. Now, what is that needs to happen next? Right. Um, and so we're learning of this. We are the folks who are very much like, we don't like to do a lot of fact finding. Cause I think a lot of people get too hung up. They're like, right. can happen. And so this needs to happen. Our whole goal is like a harm has occurred. People have feel violated, but what right. right. Um, and so come full circle, we offer to those two schools, right? That like, hey, we want to come to campuses and um, hear directly from your campus around what's happening, what occurred, how people have been impacted, um, as well, and as well as like, what are their thoughts around making things right? So sure. we did that separately at the schools. And yeah. one of the offerings was, if we were to bring you together, like, do you think this is something that you are interested in? Um, because bringing you together provides a space in which each of you can share impact, um, as well as, as showing up and sharing around like what you might need in order to move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and we got students who were very open to that process. Um, ultimately it boiled down to the fact that, um, so, you know, in, in, in high schools, they have ASBs and ASBs are in charge of, you know, like the the hurrah the government yeah Yeah, they're they're trying to get like you know like things right right? and the spirit of the school and so we had a bunch of um of asb students from each campus come together um they talked about what happened we also had some band members and cheerleaders and some football players come to um and all together right they were really rooted in the fact of of like hey like we, you know, like we take responsibility that, you know, fans of our, our community might've been staying and doing these things. Um, and we also understand that if that were to happen to us, we would, we would also feel like sad and violated and things like that. Um, And so that common understanding, right. Is that like, I don't want this to happen to other people. So that it touches on our empatheticness, Right. right. Like, I have a human connection to you, right? Correct. I don't want it to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to you. Right. Uh, I love and they that. Walked, yeah. And they walked away and they, they created this, um, this, I'm like already forgetting the name of it, but they created this joint kind of like, um, community guidelines, if you want to call it that around that. events. Right. Yeah. And all together, they also presented that at our at OCHR's annual youth conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about the experience of having that happen, how they came together and right. presented these like community guidelines at large. I love it. I love uh, it. Yeah. It's so, like a true teaching moment. And that is what we want. It's not that everybody's going to do the right thing all of the time, but it's what you do after you realize you have harmed someone. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, there's often more learning in, in, in failure and mistakes than in being so risk adverse that you are so fearful to say anything. So I really appreciate the work that you do. I really appreciate OC Human Relations. 
Um, it, it's just an incredible organization that I love highlighting and letting my students know that that opportunity is there, but also for the schools um, to really partner and, and to understand the importance of the work. So any last thoughts before I move on to my end show questions? Um, I don't How can students get involved? Yeah. So are there, are there internships? Are there entry-level jobs? So we, um, we have like, I don't know, ballooned in size as an agency. Um, and you really have, it's been wonderful to watch. Um, and so like, I would always say that there's probably always going to be a job, um, here available because we're, we're doing work in the community that, um, at this point in time, I can't say if we'll ever find solutions for it. Right. Like I think wherever you go, you're always going to find some sort of polarization. Sure, sure. Um, I think that's what sets us in a, um, a good space in which we're always welcoming new voices and mm-hmm. um, new talents, essentially. Um, and what can students do while they're in college? What what skills can they get? What experiences? What kind of community partnerships can they start to have as students um, to prepare themselves to, to have a great resume and interview? Um, for me, I would say. If you're talking specific to my programs and and our youth and education programs, um, I would be like, get as much experience as you can, either with young people or in the schools or education, right? Like that's the number one thing. Yeah. Um, If you're talking broadly in the agency, um, we've always appreciated people who are coming from a, um, you know, a background in which they are able to get into tense conversations, but walk out of it with like, Hey, like I navigated that well, or, or like I, right. you know, I, my common thing is crying. So I'll be like, Oh, I didn't cry. So, right. Right. Uh, oh yeah. It's yes. so kind of like so, so you know, a weeper. Yes. 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 <laughs> it takes like a, a level of skill set of just like level-headedness that it's like, yeah. I'm going to go into it and I can facilitate. And I might hear things that really deeply don't align with me, sure. but I'm going to walk away, not personalizing it but yeah. also utilizing like what is, what needs to happen next. Right. Sure, sure. Um, and that can be very, it could be, you know, it can weigh on people. And so I want to be very mindful that this is like hard work. Right. So like, it is, it is. And I think it's, um, it's a different kind of social work. And so those people who are thinking, you know, I really want to help the community and, and social work just seems like such a long road. Um, and, and maybe, you know, not a good a good fit for a personality or a heart. Um, I think that this is another avenue for those people who are called to that that, that work. Yeah. So thank you. So let me ask. Uh, let's get personal. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Um, the best advice that I've ever gotten. Oh, man, this is always hard. Even though you you shared with me early on. Um, I, you know, I, I so much admire our, um, my current leadership under, um, Allie Edwards at OC Human Relations. And, um, I I wouldn't say it's really much of an advice, but more so of like a, a way of approaching, um, leadership roles or capacities. And I think she's always been, um, just someone who like has modeled it for me where 
you are here to listen and mm-hmm. uh, like truly listening, right? Like not just passively or whatever, um, but that part of listening is also followed through, right? So like mm-hmm. if, if I'm talking with somebody and they're they're sharing something with me and, and then I go and say, hey, I'm going to make a commitment to do this. I need to make sure that I'm following through in that commitment. Um, and so I think that's like the number one thing. And then coupled with that is, is, is the notion that especially when someone's sharing about something difficult or hard. Um, and that I, you know, if I am in a position of power to make a decision to do something, um, then really looking internally and saying, Hey, what can I do to support so-and-so, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's just always modeled that with grace and I appreciate I love that. listening and the follow through. Yeah. Good, good bosses and good leaders are just priceless. So I love that you've referenced at least two of them. Uh, Yeah, I think that's amazing. So what's a book you like to recommend to people? What should we be reading and listening to? Audiobooks are also great. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think one of my best, like, ever understanding of race-based work or racism um, is The Bluest Eye. And, um, you know, I think think about a lot, the fact that, you know, in the last few years, people have said like, here, read how to be an anti-racist, read this, read that. Right. I love it. I love that the academic theoretical, um, but I also am reminded that novels and, and fiction are an amazing avenue to just like hearing and seeing and experiencing and Toni Morrison. Amazing. Yeah. 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 And I, and I think that that's a really great point that we sometimes think it has to be hard and difficult and fiction is the easiest way in. Mm -hmm. Um, And often just really puts us in a place where we are fully immersed that is tougher to get to with nonfiction. So I, I appreciate that. So is there a hopeful message you can share with our listeners? My hopeful message is that, um, you know, the work is, is hard, but the showing up is what matters. And I oftentimes think about the fact that, you know, like if I wasn't doing this work, what the heck would I be doing? And, and I can't think of it. Right. And so, um, I'm always, you know, like there are days and times when I'm like, this is so difficult. I want to walk away. I want to quit. I want to just yeah. do everything. Um, but I'm reminded that like, it, there's a larger um, impact to be felt and right. so that's why I do it. Uh, right. But also understanding that it's not rooted in me feeling good, but it's rooted in just building better communities. Right. Um, so that's my, my biggest like takeaway. I love it. Yeah. And, and I think it's important, you know, meaningful work is hard, but it's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I love the quote from Ted Lasso, you know, the truth is going to, set you free, but first it's going to piss you off. Yes. exactly. <laughs> it's like, Oh yes, yes, yes. That's, that's why I have this feeling first. Yeah. So finally, I've so enjoyed talking to you. Who should we talk to next? Who's in your network? I, um, so we've been, um, connecting a lot with a group called mask, um, M A S C. Um, and it stands for multiracial Americans of Southern California, uh, based in Irvine, in Orange County. And, um, they kind of came to us like randomly. They were just like, Hey, we heard about OCHR. This is who we are. Um, and I just have loved everything they've done. That's great. Of 
they're like, you know, they're really blending and meshing between young people and adults. And they're also made up of people who are, you know, have full-time jobs and are rooted and really kind of uplifting what the multiracial experience is yeah, and how that connects to what we're experiencing at large with. These absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. I can't wait to talk to them. Thank you so much. So thanks. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed just chatting about this work, but also um, can really see that for you, Jody. that it's, it's personal and, and it's, and it's something that you care about as well too. So I just appreciate um, being able to have that space and platform and as well as, you know, that your students will get a chance to hear this. So, yeah. Thank you.